1: This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can check us all out on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe, and Doug at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. So some things we'll be talking about today. The Hornets do take on the Dallas Mavericks tonight. Uh, Kimba has been on a tear, and we'll start off with a couple of the injuries that I'm sure everybody is aware, about, uh, aware of at this point. Cody Zeller, he is out for a significant amount of time. Still no word on the clear timetable of how long he's going to be out. The Charlotte Hornets haven't said anything about how long we can definitively expect him to be out, mm-hmm. but we know it's going to be at least weeks. It might be months. He does have a fractured right hand, so we don't know exactly how long it's going to take Personally, him.
0: Personally, I would probably say expect All-Star. Like, well,
1: it, it's going to be a while. Yeah, That's it's what gonna we know. Also, it's, yeah. You're going to have to play a significant amount of games without Cody Zeller, uh, Zeller available to you. And then you have Jeremy Lamb, who was doubtful for this game coming in. Now mm-hmm. it is confirmed that he is not going to play. I don't think he completed shoot-around today. So Jeremy Lamb left early to that, and I think that confirmed that he is not going to suit up. So let, let's start with Cody Zeller's injury. Not a, I mean, This is a guy... That I mean, I, th- I think some people have mixed feelings on. I think for the most part, people realize that he is a a good basketball player, a decent basketball player. I don't think anybody has crazy ill will towards uh, Cody. I think
0: it depends on who you talk to. Sure,
1: but I think for the most part, we realized you know he's the best big on this team. Mm-hmm. Cody has the fifth most minutes played per game this season, much more than any of the other bigs that are rostered. Billy Hernan Gomez averages about 13 minutes per game. And the next closest to him that's actually a part of the rotation is Malik Monk and Tony Parker. And they're each sitting at about 19 minutes per game. So Billy is the last guy that you frequently, somewhat frequently see in the rotation <laughs> that's getting those kind of minutes, right? The guys that are below yeah. him are Dwayne Bacon, are Frank Kaminsky, are Bismack Biombo. So Billy's last in that regard. Cody Zeller is fifth as far as the guy who gets the most minutes on uh, uh, and per game throughout this season. So now Cody's going to be out. You know, we know about all the little things he does, right? Yes, we, exactly. you know, Doug, the I'm sure.
0: that, Yeah, The stuff that <laughs> doesn't show up in the box score. I'm sure. The hustle stats. Every little... Just adjective you normally use for a Boston sports athlete gets used (laughs) with Cody Zeller.
1: Doug Branson not here with us, by the way, if you couldn't already tell, but I'm sure Doug's senses are tingling right now. He wants to go on a rant about why Cody Zeller can't contribute in the traditional stats in the box score, but we do know that there is some importance. We do know that he is a guy that is going to play hard for you. He's constantly getting hurt because he's diving after loose balls because he puts his face in the elbows of people that are swinging it after they get the rebound. We know Cody is that kind of player we know defensively. He is way better than not everybody. Maybe Bismack, you would want to say, is a better rim protector. But Cody, much more sound as a defender than Billy Hernan Gomez, than Frank Kaminsky. He runs the rim well. Cody Zeller, I think, is going to hurt this team. His absence is going to hurt this team. And now, Nada, I think the question is, what do you do to combat his absence? What do you do? For all of the rest of these big guys, or do you just go small ball for most of the time?
0: All right. The first thing you're going to want to do with any kind of Cody Zeller injury, considering how important he is to this team, the first thing you do is you go get some holy water because you got to pray. You got to pray <laughs> that the center position is going to be worth something. At this point, because Cody Zeller was the guy that was basically going to give you some sort of rim run, some sort of bucket. And more importantly, the pick and roll defense, which is probably one of his most underrated aspects to his game, because his pick and roll defense is probably what top five center in the league. You're talking Dre, Draymond, DeAndre Jordan. um,
1: He's certainly capable. I mean, he's he's very capable. Yeah.
0: But it's top five in the league. The problem becomes now when you replace him with a guy like Billy Hernan G- Gomez, or as I would like to call it, spot the mark, because that's all it is. Is Whenever he's in, 1-5 high, high screen in a roll, and we're going to put our guard on Billy Hernan Gomez. If he can shore this up, it's going to be tremendous for this team because he's got the body, he's got the size to keep guys off of him. But when it comes to just limiting or just mitigating penetration, That's when he has his issues, and that's when it gets kind of dicey, and that's when you start seeing people get free lanes to the rim, essentially.
1: I think he's significantly less athletic, Billy Hernan Gomez Mm -hmm. is, than Cody Zeller. He's more of a plotter. The mm-hmm. one thing that Billy can do is we know that he's pretty capable. He can give you some things offensively that are nice. I mean, they, yeah. you know, it, there are some things to like from Billy's game. I think he got put on notice when what he did is this summer league. I know you were high on him after the Very summer high. league, nada. Um, offensively, he's able to do some things for you. I, he's not going to go up and put it down on an alley oop. You know, you're not going to get some of the highlight dunks that Cody's able to give you. You're not going to get that from Billy, but you are going to get you're somebody. You're going to get that post game though. Yeah, you're going to get a good post game from him. You're going to be able to get some good trash points, somebody that can get a rebound offensively and then maybe put it back up and he's big, right? I mean, he certainly is a strong individual. I don't think you have to worry about seeing him get pushed down but you know my thing, right? Anything I, anytime I look mm-hmm. at Billy, I think of can't play Cantor. That's what I think of.
0: <laughs> he's diet He's diet Enos Cantor. And sometimes <laughs> that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not necessarily a good
1: thing. <laughs> no, it's not. I, defensively, it's a pretty bad thing. Not I've seen him get whooped too many times defensively. Yeah. When he gets put on a perimeter in pick and roll situations, he's god awful. Yeah. There are times where people come right at him and he's a statue as guards. They go right at him. He doesn't know what to do. He kind of freezes up. And then the guards... Will shoot it around him. They'll mm-hmm. shoot it right beside of him. Of course, um, there are times where maybe he does, maybe not get pushed around, but he'll just do the straight hands up in the air type defense that you teach kids to do, just so they don't foul. <laughs> you know, that's what Billy does, right? We just yes. don't, want Billy, don't reach over and extend and foul. Just put your hands straight up. But NBA players are too good; they're going to score on that. Yeah, of course. I, I'm worried about this team in that position, certainly defensively. I think there is a big gap between Cody and Billy. Now, gap. What, it's a what, cliff, yeah. When so Not now, coach cliff, sure. But a cliff, sure. So now, when you look at some of the other guys that they can put in there, right? I mm-hmm. think Frank Kaminsky has shown some improvements on defense. Not enough for you to be comfortable at all with him there. I do think that he has been decent in short stints. I think when Frank has been put in there for limited action, I think Frank has been fine, right? I mean, he's that,
0: been okay. He's been passable, sure,
1: sure. And offensively, I mean, he he gives you the best shooting option out of all. Even with Billy's ability to shoot from beyond three i mean frank is probably the guy you consistently want shooting like you're not setting up billy a ton on the outside frank is a guy that you have set up on the outside
0: the other thing that you have to worry about with a guy like billy though is Billy is known to screen the wrong guys on plays, especially (laughs) out-of-bounds plays. I mean, Amin Hassan picked it up on one of the the games they lost by, like, three or less, that Hernan Gomez screened the wrong guy.
1: So that speaks to the IQ that Cody has maybe over Billy Hernan Gomez playing. And also we have Bismack, who we know Bismack got all of his money after... Speaking of speak Bismack got all of his money after playing a very good series against the Cleveland Cavaliers up in Toronto.
0: Was it the Cavs or was it the Heat? I think it was the Heat.
1: Uh, Might have been the Heat. Might have been. But he had a very good series uh, with that Toronto Raptors team. He got all of his money to Orlando. And now it's a guy that is frequently inactive for this team, or at least a yeah, guy that doesn't as he get should be. any kind of seconds. So now I'm interested to see if you go to a rotation. Do you go to Billy, give him, I don't know, 17 minutes a game? He's at 13 right now. Do you give him 17? Do you give him 20? Do you give Frank Kaminsky some time? Do you put Bismat? Do you pick and choose your spots, and what kind of big men do you have, rather than have Cody out there for the over 20 minutes that he plays a game right now? Or do you start to go to kind of a rotation? I have a team in mind that it kind of makes sense for me. Like, uh,
0: let me hear this, because so, I, I do need to hear this, so I can basically lambaste this in a little bit. Well,
1: I mean, it's it's certainly, you're you're dealing with more talented guys, yes. right? I mean, I, I'm just going with the kind of style that I want to see. Like, if you look at the L.A. Clippers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in You look at their big men. You know, they kind of have a rotation of Bobon Marjanovic. They have a guy mm-hmm. like like uh Montrez Harrell, you know, they mm-hmm. put Gortat out there. Mm-hmm. You know, they those guys, when you look at their minutes per game, you know, it, it's not anybody I think that you would want to have there out there for the twenty-five minutes per game like Cody does. Yes. But they and, and you know, Montrez plays twenty-five, you know, Bobon plays his ten and he doesn't get too many minutes, but like you see him still in there somewhat frequently. Like I, I'm interested to see if that's what you kind of do is like, all right, we know that that Bismack, we can't trust him. For more than the five minutes at a time, but let's say we throw him out there, he goes, you know, he plays the defense or whatever in this spot that we want him to, and then we give you a different look with Frank, who's more of a three-point shooter. Then maybe we give you more of a post-up kind of carve you up down low with Billy. I'm just interested to see if you want to pick and choose your spots and then kind of have a rotation of your bigs. Of course, when they're not playing small ball, which we know Barrego, I imagine we do see. Yeah, I think we lean a lot
0: more on small ball, and I think we're going to see small ball center Miles Bridges. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of that going forward, rather than playing biz. Because unfortunately, in the minutes that he's been given, it's been obvious that either he's really, really rusty, or that he, it's just not there anymore.
1: Well, I think what's happening, at least to me, is you know it's time for Borrego to win some more games than he has. You know yeah. we we need to see more victories for this Hornets team, and we've seen a lot of bad losses. Like if if you look, even if you just had you know, if if you had the one or maybe two losses to some of those awful teams in the Eastern Conference, then I think you would be feeling a lot better. But they've dropped a lot of bad ones. And I you know, you see Borrego shortening up his rotation overall to guys that he trusts more. Now Malik Monk has gotten in a little bit more here, but then Miles Bridges falls out of favor. You know, Frank hasn't been getting any time whatsoever lately. You know, Dwayne Bacon is seeing more time in Greensboro, but Devontae Graham is actually getting some time as a veteran player out of college coming in. So yeah, exactly. I'm interested to see. You know he he is going more so with maybe older players, right? Like yeah. Devonte, it's weird, but Devontae's a rookie, but he's an older player than Miles exactly, Bridges. Exactly,
0: he's he, older than Miles. He's older than Malik. I, like I get it. The problem becomes though, like when you get too small against some of these teams that do go small, but they have big guard lineups. Like you you fall right into their hands, and unfortunately they don't have the personnel to do that
1: so I yeah it, we'll see I, I'm interested in the rotation of bigs and how much small ball you're going but you know miles Bridges at at center you know it's a guy that has kind of fallen out of the rotation you would imagine that you probably get an uptick sometimes and it's a situation. lot easier
0: for him to guard his man it's not he's not guarding a three and getting blown by you get blown by by center yeah. then you then you really do have questions that we need answered.
1: yeah and so just real quickly before we take our first break you know miles bridge not falling out of the rotation he played 21 minutes in the last game of Against Orlando, but a lot of that was garbage time. He didn't post any minutes against Washington. He posted three against Brooklyn, posted 14 in the first game against Brooklyn. So his playing time, it did deteriorate here a little bit. We'll take a quick break. It's the season of giving. We're still going to call it a season of giving. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page for just as little as $1 a month, just $1. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that's patreon.com slash LOH. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with more. Uh, I want to continue the Devontae Graham discussion. Should be a lot of fun. That's my boy. You guys know it. Stick around here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. <laughs>
0: This is
1: Locked on Hornets.
0: So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now all of a sudden, we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play.
1: I don't think you want them to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So, Nada, you as well as the listeners know my love for Devontae, and you've kind of shared in that yeah, love for yes. Devontae, understanding there are growing pains. But yes. also, I think we are excited about the future that a second-round selection under Mitch Kupchak can provide you for this team. We're seeing it in the last two games. Devontae Graham against Washington in their loss played 22 minutes, including mm-hmm. significant minutes down the stretch. When they when it was winning time, Devontae Graham was closing out that game. I thought that was very interesting. He goes four of six from the field, one of two from three-point range, has 11 points, five assists, one turnover, and four rebounds. A very good stat line for a guy playing 22 minutes as a second-round rookie. You go to Orlando. Again, some garbage time. Didn't shoot all that great from the field, but he did hit two-three, so he was two of three from beyond the arc. Did finish with 10 points, four assists, one turnover, so a couple of games... We only had one turnover. There was one very nice defensive play. It looked like Fournier was trying to drive towards the basket. Devonte, yep. yep, stripped him, kind of knocked it loose. And then eventually you had a bucket on the other end. I thought that was a heady play by a point guard. 24 minutes against Orlando. So two games in a row where he's had 22 or more uh, minutes in this game. Looks like Devontae's going to start in the absence of Jeremy Lamb tonight,
0: Nada. Yeah, that's the thing that scares me. I like him. I really do like Devontae Graham simply because he can defend without fouling. Very active hands. And the big thing about him with active hands is he's a guy that doesn't, that does it without fouling, that manages to at least be, at least be cognizant. A lot of these guys on this team, unfortunately, do not guard with active hands. And it drives me nuts because you see a lot of the better teams always know when to put their hands in the passing lane, get these deflections, get something easy so we can get a turn, get a turnover and take it the other way. And that's what Devontae does. The only thing that scares me is how much is too much. And are you better off not going with a guy that's started before in a guy like Dwayne Bacon who might might or might not be in the doghouse right now? Well,
1: and That's the thing, right? Dwayne Bacon, he is going to come back up because of the short rotation that you have at that particular position.
0: Yeah, they brought up McCura too.
1: Yeah, they did. So they got up JP McCura, they have Dwayne Bacon right back and after he actually played a couple, it had been him going to Greensboro, coming back for games yeah. that the Hornets were going to play on that night. But he actually missed a game or maybe even two games and played uh with Greensboro, stayed down in Greensboro for a little while. Devonte starting one it tells me that Borrego is starting to trust him more. I think he yes. should with some of the decisions that he's made. I mean, he's been uh, you mentioned the active hands. I think he's been a good decision maker with the basketball so far in the last two games, and I think that's something where we've seen him maybe not have some of the better decisions, certainly earlier on. But Rick Bunnell, I talked with him. You guys heard of the interview. He mentioned that Borrego was probably going to play Devontae Graham in the second half a lot more. Expect to he see had to. A, yeah, well, and expect to see a surge now. I, I you're right, but I don't think that's the reason yeah. wholeheartedly that you're seeing him. I think they like him, right? I think you'd like to see that guy in the second half of the season. So we're, we could see an uptick for Devontae even when Jeremy Lamb is back, and it shouldn't be that he's gone for all that
0: long. And it would make sense because, quite honestly, he's gotten too good for Greensboro because every night is, it seems he just, like
1: he just destroys greensboro he destroys
0: greensboro he's too good for it now cuz every night it's like you see 36 and 6 and right. you're like okay yeah he's he's too good to be there now it's it's at, it's a point where literally you have to give him minutes and you're going to have to give him minutes considering six games six games in 11 days is coming after this one
1: and and both you and I are a little uneasy about all the minutes that Tony Parker is getting. Yes, you know, so that would be fantastic. Do you get Tony Parker in big time spurts down the stretch where it's winning time, and Tony has been so valuable in yeah. winning time for the. Charlotte it's why
0: Warriors. they lost. It's why they lost against Washington.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. And, and there have been a couple of times where Tony just couldn't give it a go or wasn't you know exceptional in the fourth quarter and they lost like they need Tony he has proved that to be true this year so if Devontae can save him some minutes by playing good basketball at the point guard backup position maybe in the first three quarters or so and then you get Tony in the fourth man I think that has to sound good to everybody's ears it should now here's the thing you have Devontae Graham playing you know Does this scare you about Malik Monk not starting or do you actually like the kind of thought process that we like Malik Monk coming off the bench? We don't want to mess with that.
0: I don't want to mess with any sort of routine for Malik Monk at this point because clearly like he's not ready to start. I'm sorry. He's physically not ready. He's not the defender that you need to give big minutes to right now because then you're asking for 140 points every night that Jeremy Lamb is out. At least Jeremy Lamb will give you a little bit of something despite his breakdowns at times. Unfortunately, like, I thought it would have been bacon. I honestly thought it would have been bacon considering that he did have that stretch where he did play well, and then he basically played himself out of the rotation somehow. And I, and I get why he played himself out of the rotation because he just started shooting too much.
1: So Malik Monk, since he got those two DNPCDs against Cleveland and Detroit, He's played at least 15 minutes or more in every game since, Mm -hmm. and he's only shot below 43% once, so I think that's good. I mean, he's shooting 38% on the season, I believe, so he's only shot below that, only 43% just once, and that was a game against Brooklyn at home when he went 2-of-8, but he went 7-of-14 against the Magic. Mm -hmm. He went 3-of-5 against Washington on the road. I think you have seen improved defense. I think you have seen maybe something click. It's all about sustainability, right? Like, how long does it stick with you? But I think you did see something click, like, oh, I need to play better defense. I need to commit because... I get my ass benched if I don't. Yeah, basically. I, I think you saw, I'm not. don't get it twisted. He's not a world-class world defender. I'm just saying, I think you saw some cognitive, something work for him where, okay, I need to put a little bit more work on this side. And I think he's been better for that. And so we'll see. But I, I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't press the panic button on why isn't Malik Monk starting. I think it's fine. I think Malik Monk comes off the bench. He hasn't earned it yet. I kind of like what you said too. Like, don't don't mess with Malik's routine right now. You know, I I no, I don't think that we're saying he's a particularly fragile mental player. Just man, players These are creatures of habit. Well, they they are creatures of habit, but also, you know, Malik Monk, you have a lot invested in this guy. You know, I mean, a number 11 overall pick. That a lot of people felt fell to you, mm-hmm. and this is somebody a lot of people are excited about, or at least had been excited about. I'm I'm cool with Malik Monk coming off the bench and then starting Devonte Graham. It it doesn't mean that Malik Monk I think is going to be this All NBA player. I just think I'm cool with the way that Barrego is handling Malik Monk and this particular situation, at least right now. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Maybe talk about Kimba Walker, and we got to
0: talk about Dallas tonight, Kimba buddy
1: has been great and we do yeah I forgot they have a game tonight Luka Doncic is coming to town also he has a lame nickname that they're actually fighting for stick around find out what that what's next here on the Locked On Podcast Network you are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast we're going to talk about Jim or Jay Laranega and James Borrego should get the first name right (laughs) yeah well maybe that one I should get actually his real name is James but they call him Jay. We'll call him Jay too. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com and they can help you do the one thing that you want to do. And that's make more sales. Uh, Kimba Walker has been just fantastic. He's been just stupid good. Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's been fun. The last few games. You look at the last six games, I think, he hasn't shot less than 50%. <laughs> I, after that brutal slump that we had to endure through the month of the December, really the first yeah. half of December, since that Cleveland game, where in the second quarter, Kimba started to get hot, and that first quarter was bad. Mm-hmm. It was like 0 for 7, I believe he starts out in that game. So then he finishes 11 of 26 after an 0 and 7 start, shoots 43, 42% in that one. And then since then, has not shot below 50%. The guy's been amazing. He was 10 of 16 against Orlando, 18 of 29 against Washington. I mean, just amazing in the fourth quarter, doing all he could to help them win that game against the Wizards. And he's actually come back to life. We actually see Kimba what we saw in the first little bit. And hopefully... He can win the matchup against two star players tonight. That might have some intrigue for everybody on the other side. Nada, you have Luka Doncic, who is a very good basketball player. Mm -hmm. It's fun to watch him grow in his rookie season. The step back three has everybody extremely excited. Luka comes to town tonight. What are some things that you're looking for, maybe from Luka or Dallas, and just how the Charlotte Hornets match up overall?
0: The one thing I do worry about is we talked a whole bunch about the center position and how like the depth, there's a depth issue. It's really going to get exposed tonight with Deandre Jordan in town because you got Deandre Jordan. Who's one of the better pick and roll centers on offense and defense. And you're talking about hoping to keep him off the glass. Luca against Marvin. I want to see who who's guarding Luca to start the game because I'm not sure if it's going to be Marvin. I'm not sure if it's going to be Nick, Nick, whose defense has kind of waned a lot in the last little bit. Um, I wonder who's going to defend Luka. And then I kind of think this is a Harrison Barnes game. How well are you going to be able to defend the three against this team that likes to shoot threes and can shoot threes, and if you give them wide open threes, they're gonna bury them.
1: Well, I could be wrong, but didn't Harrison Barnes destroy Charlotte last season at yes, home did. in the Spectrum Center? He I could be—I I thought he did. I, I need to look up those stats did. again, but I do remember Harrison going off. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'll look it up after this. But 43% from the field is Harrison Barnes this year—you know—that's a guy that a lot of people just don't know what to make of. You know, he's averaging 18 points a game, but not a, lot, a whole lot of people love him. You know, it's—it's it's a weird year for Harrison. Um, But Luka, averaging 20 points a game, I mean, he's he's phenomenal. Six and a half rebounds, five assists, so he contributes in a lot of different areas. The assist-to-turnover ratio, it is one and a half, so he does give you a decent amount of turnovers, but this is a guy that is a rookie that looks like a star. I, that's enough. I mean, maybe Luca's not enough to get me out, but I mean, it's it's something you want to be able to say that you saw Luca in his rookie season. Like, I, I'm excited to go watch it. Oh, play no. Live. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's getting me out of the house tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I haven't, unfortunately, because of the schedule with work, with my day job and everything else, I've been able to go to too many games recently. I'm looking forward to going to this one to see Luca play and yeah. just light it up.
1: It'll be cool to see. And, and as we wind this up here, Nada, um, as we round this up, I should say, uh, you look at Charlotte and what their record is before this Dallas game. Yes, so they're five hundred. Shocker, eighteen and mm-hmm. eighteen. They have Dallas tonight. Let's say they win, they go to nineteen and eighteen. And then there's the road trip. You know, we'll get into maybe the, the specifics of the road, the road trip. trip. Yeah. It's it, it's a six game road trip. You got a lot more road games on this part of the season than you do home games. Are you comfortable with the record that they have heading into this stretch, or would you have liked to have seen more from them?
0: I'm comfortable only because it's 500 and they were, what, six games worse last year? Just about? I think they were about five, six games worse. And I'm only comfortable because of that. I'm not comfortable with their, their road schedule. I'm not co- comfortable with their road defense. We've gone over that if you listen to Monday's episode. There's a lot of this I'm not comfortable with. But the overall result is, eh, could have been worse. And more importantly, they've maintained a playoff spot for most of the season thus far. And for me, I guess I can be okay with it, considering there's no one really coming up to bite you.
1: Yeah, There's an argument to be made there that the Eastern Conference doesn't really scare you a whole lot. So the Hornets are probably going to be in a position where they are going to make the playoffs at the end of all of this. But you just look at the first half of the season that has happened so far. At least what were 32 games, 36 games through the season so far. You look at just those losses against some of the bottom feeders in the yeah. Eastern Conference. I mean, if you just lost one or two, I think we'd be feeling a lot better. But that gives you three, right? So if you go, if you go, Knicks, Bulls, Hawks, Cavaliers. I mean, even if you just just Washington, lose, even Washington without those star players. I mean, if you just lose two, you're talking about a 21 win team, like, and that's a a certain that's a, a big swing for you. I yeah, like, it could have been worse, but man, I mean, it shouldn't have been like this either. Like they should would have.
0: You have here's the thing, though: Would you have traded those wins for some of the lo- for? Would you have traded some of those losses for wins and traded like I don't know the Denver game, I, or the Milwaukee game that they did win, like? How many of those are you willing to trade for some of these wins?
1: I Honestly, I, I don't know if it matters a whole lot because I think if, if this team... I mean, I, I don't want to lose to the bottom feeder teams all the time. Again, like I, I'm cool with them only winning a couple, but I don't want to lose to them all the time. And that has happened for the Hornets. I mean, they have lost to every single team that is one of the four worst teams in the Eastern Conference. I, I, I
0: get it's it. It's a problem. Like it, it, it should no, it's not have been like this. Absolutely a problem. Like literally, it's absolutely a problem. It's absolutely a thing. I get it because it's like literally, how are you getting these these A's in this course, and then you're doing another course that's somewhat similar, similar coursework? Mm-hmm. They may even give you like the crib sheet for the test, and you flunk in the course. Like I get it, but at the at the same time, you know what? Eighteen and eighteen. Like, right now, I'm kind of okay with
1: it. <laughs> well, they're 18-18 and 18 right now, but that road record is awful for the Hornets. They've oh. got a six-game road trip. Again, we'll get into more details next episode, but you can't feel comfortable heading into this road schedule uh, because of what they've done so far. In the I'm past.
0: expecting one in five. Spoiler alert.
1: Also, well, that's awful, and I don't think we'd be comfortable at all at the end of that. Also, the Mavs have filed trademarks for quote, the Matador and, quote, <laughs> El Matador. The nickname given to Luka Doncic by Mavs player development coach Mike, I don't even know how to pronounce that name, Procupio? I don't know. That's my best chance, my my best shot at it. Interesting. This is Darren Ravel's tweet, by the way. Interesting that this team is trying to own the nickname given to one of its players, filing first discovered by Josh Gerben. So, not a. When I think of the Matador, I think of a revolving door on defense. I think of Luca having the red carpet out. I think or, of
0: Billy Hernan Gomez. Yeah, I
1: think of Billy. Yes, El Matador, El Cantor. Uh, I, I think when you have, it, it's it's weird. Like why? That's a that's a bad thing to be in basketball. Like you're a Matador, you're a revolving door, you're laying out the red carpet for somebody to walk down the paint. Like these are all bad things, and yet Luca Doncic and company are filing for trademark. I don't get this.
0: It, look, we'll put it this way. It's not the first bad decision that the (laughs) Dallas Mavericks have made all year. It's not even the second one. year. Actually, no. In a calendar year, this is not the worst decision they've made. So we'll just leave it at
1: that. No, that's true, I guess. I just don't get it. I I don't get why Luka would would want that. That's a weird nickname. It's a bad nickname, and it it presents bad connotation towards a player. That's a guy that's a nickname for Billy Hernan Gomez or somebody else. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.